getting to the book of Genesis. And I'm sure most of you realize that Genesis is obviously the first book of the Bible, and the meaning of it is beginnings or origins. So within the book of Genesis, we find that it, it unfolds uh, the record of the beginning of everything. For in it sets the entire stage of the Bible. <clears throat> uh, it, it reveals to us the nature of God, for we have the, the creator God. We have the, the God that, that sustains life. We have the God that judges uh, uh, people. And we have the God that also promises a redeemer, uh, someone that's going to uh, uh, allow us to have salvation. We also find <clears throat> that it shows us the value of ourselves uh, because in it we find that we are made in God's image. Uh, we are saved by grace and are used uh, by God in the world. We also find the tragedy and consequences of sin. We see the fall uh, and separation from God. And we also see the judgment. And we also have the promise of assurance of salvation uh, through the, the covenant, the forgiveness, and the, promise, the promised Messiah. So as a, just a, you, you can kind of, do a, a, a very, uh, very broad outline of Genesis. Is first of all, you have in the history of creation. <clears throat> then you have the story of ancient man, and then you have the history of the chosen family. <clears throat> and I, I feel like we are all fairly familiar with the book of Genesis, but <clears throat> you know, obviously within the history of creation, we find that. Uh, the creation of our universe and the creation of man itself. Uh, in the story of ancient man, we uh, all within chapter three we find the temptation and fall, the personality uh, and character of the tempter, and the penalty of sin, and the promise of a coming redeemer. All that within chapter three. I tell you what, they they're able to cram a lot in in chapter three there. Uh, but we can continue on as far as the story of ancient man and find Cain and Abel. We find the genealogy and death of the patriarchs. We have um, the events connected with the flood, the rainbow covenant of Noah's sin, uh, the descendants of Noah, and the confusion of tongues at Babel. And then on through into the history of the chosen family, obviously we have Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. Moses was the, uh, was the author of the book of Genesis and uh, from best I could find was written around 1450 to 1410 B.C., which would have been around the time of the wilderness wanderings. So, any thoughts or comments before we get on into the book of Genesis here? Absolutely, and we're going to discuss a lot about that this morning. Um, not so much of what scientists tell us today, because I think we're fairly aware of what, you know, scientists try to tell us today as far as the, the origination of the, of the earth and, and life and everything in it. But 
Any other thoughts? Absolutely. And just a a side note of that, which we'll probably end up talking about later on anyhow. And something that I guess I never really thought about until, and I forget who it was that I heard make mention of this. But when you're thinking about the creation itself, when God had created everything, it was all created in in a mature state. So, for instance, you know, when he created a tree, it wasn't just a seed in the ground just sprouting. It was already fully matured, um, just as Adam was fully matured and Eve was fully matured. Um, they weren't, you know, babies. So that, that was just, like I said, a side note that might get into later on anyhow. But any other thoughts or comments before we get on into one one? Just well, actually, I guess before we truly get into one one, I wanted to go over some other aspects because we we all realize that in Genesis one one, we we find that in the beginning God created. We find that God had, and we go through the creation event. <clears throat> and in these things, Moses writing to the children of Israel. But here, Moses. <clears throat> for one, wanted to refute any error, wanted to, to put away any error that someone might have been in, in the, uh, among the children of Israel, that someone might have thought as far as uh, who had created the earth. And, but in doing it, but I feel his, his uh, uh, primary purpose was more so to uh, um, to exalt God's name, to give God all the glory in doing this, and so when Moses starts off with his in his careful uh, uh, selection of words here, and he uses the word God, there the fourth word into uh, the Bible. One of the things that uh, that I learned about was the fact that this word God in the Hebrew is, uh, is actually Elohim, and I think I'm pronouncing that right, uh, which is not the uh, name Yahweh, but instead Elohim, uh, which, is, which can both mean a, the true God or false gods. We find that same word uh, over in 1 Samuel Chapter 5 and verse 7, uh, that's used as a false god, and as well in, in uh, 1 Kings 18 and verse 24. And we don't find the, the, the personal name of God, Yahweh, until we turn over into, into um, Genesis 2 and verse 4, where it says, uh, Lord, or in the New King James, it says, Lord. Uh, so why did Moses use Elohim in the first chapter? I mean, I don't, and, and I'm not trying to get into a big theological discussion as far as Greek words or like, uh, Hebrew words um, here, but just out of any curiosity, anybody ever studied that and, and knew about that and wondered why? I know Jim knows. <laughs> All right, well... <clears throat> 
from what I'd read, and, and Jim can correct me if I'm wrong, Yahweh, uh, uh, like I said, from what I've learned here in, in reading some different commentaries and books and other people's thoughts here, Yahweh uh, represents the uh, God's relational nature. It's his, his personal nature. To where Elohim uh, brings out the, the majesty and uh, universal sovereignty of God. Uh, someone that would be uh, exalted very highly because of, of what Elohim would be uh, because he would uh, um, be considered greatly. I thought I'd put down what the, the Strong's Concordance had made mention of that, but I, I didn't. Instead, I put it down as far as what Yahweh had said versus what Elohim had said. But Elohim would be more the, the grander uh, creator type of God, and Moses was trying to point out uh, that it wasn't this personal relation God at this time, but yet a grander creator God. Is that, is that a good way of explaining it? Ultimately, we have Moses pointing out the fact that this is uh, the, the grand God, you know, Elohim. Um, but I also wanted to point out the aspect that in the ancient past, uh, people used uh, mythology to try to explain the world how it functioned, uh, similar to how we today might use science uh, as, far, as far as how the world may function. <clears throat> so, for instance, if you was to have gone to an Egyptian or, or a Canaanite back in this time period and asked them, says, where does rain come from? They would have probably given you some uh, uh, dramatized uh, uh, response about a rain god, not a physical science lesson is what you would have today as far as where rain would come from. And with that being, uh, with that thought process, you find that since the, the beginning of time, pretty much, every society has had its own uh, thought as far as how uh, a creation story uh, explained the Earth's origins, would be, and as that, you would have that society's worldview on how they they answer the question and how they act out the the response to where did I come from and what was and, and how was the world created. <clears throat> and uh, I remember Brad Harib saying that your your worldview is like your your pair of glasses, um, even if you don't wear glasses because you've got perfect vision, you know, uh, folks like Frank or somebody, you know, I don't know. But, um, but your worldview is going to be your set of glasses. It's going to be how you see everything. And Genesis is going to set up that worldview for us. It's going to set up how we should answer those questions. Uh, where did I come from? Or how was the world created? And just to kind of give you an idea I have down here a few of the uh, cultures, I guess you can say, at this time period, which Egypt 
being the one that they would have just left uh, out of, being uh, there for several years and entangled with the Egyptians, Moses actually being uh, considered the son of of the Pharaoh's daughter who would have had uh, the finest of Egyptian schools and all, would have probably heard of of this kind of situation as far as how the Egyptians uh, uh, believed that everything came about. And here we find that the Egyptians... Uh, uh, believe that there were no gods in the beginning. But yet there is, uh, I'm probably going to say this wrong, primordial waters uh, that is also can be referred to as kind of like a cosmic bowl of soup. So one creation account from Egyptians would say that uh, the god Amun-Ri a ray, I guess I should say, emerged from these waters and created lesser deities uh, through sneezing. (laughs) Um, But later on, we also find in Egyptian history that um, Pita, or it would be P-T-A-H, Pita, I guess is how you pronounce that, uh, had created Amun-Ri versus him coming up out of the the, uh, primordial waters, uh, which would mean that Pita was the true creator god, uh, which, ironically, uh, like I said, this is all coming from Egyptian history, showed that he had created things through the heart, thought, and tongue commanded, um, it, this being the Pita creator god of the Egyptians, uh, says that he would create things through things that he thought in his heart and had spoke out, which would sound very com- familiar with what Genesis 1.1 says. But we also find that within that, because there is very difference, very uh, significant differences in between the Egyptians' uh, mythology here and, the, and what we have in Genesis, because this god of the Egyptians had created these things using magical spells that he had to manipulate a higher power in order to have these things created. Uh, so obviously, if that was the case, not be the creator god. Also, we find, uh, moving away from the Egyptians, uh, and I'm going to mess this word up too, M-E-S-O-P-O-T-A-M-I-A. How do you say that? Mesopotamian? Potamian. All right. Mesopotamian, they had believed, which is also uh, an area not far from from the Israelites here, they had... (coughs) Uh, a story of creation as far as how that you had two, well, you had many gods, ultimately. You had Asaph and Timna, who is a god and goddess of the sea, and were angered by the noise of creation, of noise created by other deities, to where Asaph wanted to kill the other gods, but yet his wife, or goddess, I guess you can say, 
was, uh, was not so thrilled with that idea. And so she went and told the God of wisdom uh, her husband's plans and using magical powers, this God of wisdom had killed uh, Asaph. And uh, during this whole process, uh, this God of knowledge ends up uh, with uh, Timit, uh, which is the goddess there that was the husband or the wife of the other one, had had a uh, conceived a child named Murdoch, who then ultimately became the most powerful god, which, by the way, the, the, the uh, god of wisdom here had become the most powerful god after he killed the other god. And from that, uh, eventually Murdoch ultimately had fought his mother, had uh, killed her, and basically created everything with her corpse. I thought that was very odd. Never heard of that one before. Uh, but once again, in, over in Cana, uh, which is the land that they were going to go over to possess, uh, you also had a different creation story, but this one we're not extremely uh, knowledgeable on because the, uh, the, the stones that it was written on were broken and, and couldn't find a whole lot about it, but their chief god, Baal, uh, was uh, presented with two war clubs and had battled uh, Yemen, which would be the god of the sea, and Baal was victorious. Uh, but like I said, that was about all that we had from uh, the Canaanite history as far as how the world was created. So as you can see, there were many uh, thought processes as far as how the world was created. And I point all these things out is because here are three lands, Egyptian land, which, which like I said, where they came from, uh, and then the other two lands, which was right there around them, Canaan being the one that they were about to go in and, and try to take over. But, um, but here are their stories as far as how everything was created. And so what I made mention of earlier as far as how that Moses was trying to uh, refute error, so if anyone had believed any of these myths as far as these other surrounding countries, uh, they would be corrected in how that it really happened um, in, the, in this creation story, which I thought was very interesting because I never really thought about it as being something that would be written to the Israelites as far as uh, trying to, to correct any error that was out there in, in the creation. One of the reasons why I wanted to point all this out was to ask that to, to have us understand, for one, that it would be correcting any kind of error that any of the Israelites might have had as far as the creation goes. But it also... We might look at this and think, man, that's, that's really strange and really weird in some of these aspects of how the, the Egyptians or the Canaanites or the, uh, this, them uh, would have thought. But is it really that much different than what the scientists, and I, and I say scientists like that because there are true scientists 
that don't live in enmity with the, with the Bible. There are true scientists that do take in the creation uh, account. Yes. Absolutely. And, and the, just while I'm thinking about it, and I'll get to Jeff and then Jeremy, but um, as far as the God uh, and, and that he didn't have to go to any other greater power or any kind of perimeter waters or anything, he had created everything. And a thought that, that I wanted to bring out as well that I had read was the fact that these people in this time that had came up with these stories had tried to bring God down to their level. They tried to bring them down to, to make them as, as human as they are, in a sense. To where, I, I, I hate keep using the word scientist, but the evolutionist, maybe I should put it that way, the evolutionist tried to get rid of God altogether. You know, it, it's, it's to that standpoint, you know, to where back here they were trying to bring God down to their level, but yet, in, in the evolutionist standpoints today, you know, they, he, they try to get rid of God altogether. But there were actually past time, but I appreciate all the, the thoughts and comments there.